الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اقتربت الساعه وانشق القمر وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعثت انا والساعه كهاتين او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected mothers and sisters and students of deen to continue with the discussion of some of the signs of qiyamah and the various fitnas that will appear before the end of time and some of those fitnas are very clear in the time that we are living in there is nothing to even be thinking about that does this apply in our time or not it's so glaring so manifest and in order to refresh our minds that we have discussed over the past weeks that the reason that these details have been given to us in the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is that we may be alert we may be conscious and we may save ourselves from these aspects we do not become engulfed in these fitnas and we don't become the sign of qiyamah for others but we take a lesson so there were many things that were discussed already we discussed about the obedience to parents not treating one's friends well and treating one's parents badly this doesn't mean that we should not treat the friends well but not that a person treats a friend in a good way but does not deal with the parents correctly and similarly that the worst of people will become the leaders of the people people will be respected out of fear for them whereas this is not the akhlaq that we have been taught in deen we have been taught that people should love us out of sincerity and how will that happen when we will deal with the correct akhlaq we will have the good character that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has taught and we will not be trying to just be one better than the next and therefore nobody must say anything to me nobody must do anything to me otherwise i will take revenge etc this is not the way that we go about it we don't try to command uh respect by inculcating fear in others or making people be very edgy about us but that respect must come as a result of the akhlaq of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam that we will adopt and then the various other things that we already discussed to take it further today there are certain aspects that nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned that when these things will become rife then people must await the various calamities we touched upon the aspect of washuribatil khumur that people will indulge in intoxicants now as far as this indulging in intoxicants is concerned immediately our mind goes in one direction that people will start indulging themselves in 
drugs, in alcohol, and unfortunately and very tragically, these have become realities. We discussed this previously. These have become realities. We should make dua to Allah Ta'ala to save us and protect everybody else as well. But on this note, there are certain things that we have to become very, very vigilant about. Because these things become the stepping stones to getting involved in these sins. Allah's Nabi has forewarned already that a time will come when people will change the names of things and then legalize it. Then they will start consuming it and saying, this is not what has been prohibited, this is something else. But actually it will be the same thing that has been prohibited, just the name has been changed. And in order to protect us, in order to safeguard us from getting anywhere close to it, because this is the principle of deen, Allah wa Taala says, "Wala taqrabu mala yatimi illa billati ahsan." That, for example, the wealth of the orphan, somebody is a guardian of an orphan, and the wealth of that orphan is in his trust. So Allah Taala doesn't say don't misuse the wealth of the orphan because now the person who has it in his control, he nobody's going to be able to ask him much. He will just give some kind of explanation, whichever one he wants, and nobody's going to be able to challenge it much. Challenge it much. So the Quran Sharif is therefore warning against this. But Allah Taala doesn't say don't misuse the wealth of the orphan. Allah Taala says wala taqrabu, don't even come close to it with any wrong agenda and wrong intention, don't even bring this wrong intention to mind that I will try and usurp the wealth in this way. The Qur'an Sharif, the principle is, don't get close to the wrong. وَلَا تَقْرَبُ الزِّنَا إِنَّهُ كَانَ Allah Ta'ala says, don't even get close. Don't even get close towards zina and all kinds of evil and haram and lewdness and immorality and shamelessness. Don't even come close to it, let alone getting into something that is evil. Don't come close to it because when a person comes close to the fire, then the flames are going to still affect him. And a person, the example, very clear cut, person brings butter next to the fire, the butter is going to melt, even if you don't put it into the fire. So don't get close to any sin. So this is the principle of deen. Don't get close to any wrong. Unlike the principle of the West, and the methodology that the West adopts, the Western ideology is that we must just prevent the actual wrong taking place. Everything else should be allowed. Boys and girls must intermingle. They must chat with each other. They must go out with each other. And uh, there shouldn't be all this segregation and all this parda and... Everything must be free. There shouldn't be all these problems, as they call it, that a person is now isolated and this segregation of males and females and all these things, this doesn't make sense now to them. So all this is something that should be done away with. All the intermingling must be allowed. Everybody must be, as they call it, one happy family. Cousins should be associating with one another without any hindrance and... Uh, Others must be associating in families with one another. What does it matter whether they are mahram or not mahram? So all this must happen just merely 
that must control things that it doesn't, uh, there isn't any problem, social problem, people don't get into any kind of evils thereafter. Whereas that is a fallacy that never can happen that all the barriers are broken down and then a person says that don't get into the problem. In the hadith, Nabi Salaam gives an example of this. That Allah wa inna likulli malikin himan, Allah wa inna himallahi maharimu. That every king has a certain pasture which he has cordoned off. That this is not available for anybody else to come in here. So this is something that is restricted. So only the king's animals come and graze there. Nobody else is allowed to come there. Now some person says that, uh, look, I won't go and graze my animals in the king's pasture, but what's the problem if I go and graze on the border? So he goes and takes his animals on the border. So Nabi Islam says that, that the person who is going to go and graze his animals on the border of the restricted pasture, then it is very, very likely that his animals are going to jump in and they are going to cross the line and they are going to enter the border and get into the prohibited area and they are going to start grazing there. And when they start grazing there, this person is going to be in serious trouble. Then his animals might get confiscated, he might get punished, he may get whooped, he may get imprisoned and all kinds of things will happen because he refused to stay far away from the prohibited and restricted place. So when he comes on the border, he is going to end up going inside. So likewise, the example we are being given is that don't come close to this pasture, otherwise you are going to start grazing into the pasture. Nabi Islam says, That the pasture and the restricted place of Allah Ta'ala is those things that Allah Ta'ala has prohibited. So this is the pasture. Don't come close to it. Don't come on the border. Because you come on the border, then you are going to be in great danger. So Allah's Nabi Wasallam gave this very eloquent example and gave us the message that stay far away, don't bring, don't come close because a nafs is like an animal. And like a person brings his sheep, his cows or other animals to graze on the border, he can't control it thereafter. He's going to jump in. He will say that I will keep it controlled, he will run this way and that way, but he can't control it. The nafs is also an animal. And the nafs is like a very wild animal. Until it is restrained and it is brought under control, it's like a very wild animal. And when this wild animal will be brought along the border, then it's going to cross the line. It is going to jump over the border. It is going to break the fence. And it is going to graze in prohibited pastures. And thereafter, this person is going to be in serious trouble. But then it's going to be too late. Then it will be crying over spilt milk. Then the person will try to make amends, but the izzat is already gone. By that time, the person has lost his family, or the person has lost the confidence of others, the person has, and then it will take a while and a long while now to regain all this. So Allah Ta'ala is saying that, look, don't come near the prohibited areas. Wala taqrabu, don't even come close. So this is the lesson that we have been given in deen, that we don't just stay out of the boundary, we don't come close to the border also. So in any case, we were discussing something that was in this hadith, that Nabi Islam said, وَشُرِبَتِ الْخُمُورِ 
that intoxicants will be indulged in. So now again coming to this principle that we discussed just now, that we don't get close to the borders as well. All the borders or all the things that bring a person close towards indulging in intoxicants, this too has been restricted and prohibited. Early in the days of Islam, initially the laws prohibiting alcohol, prohibiting intoxicants had not yet come. So it was still permissible. And then slowly the ahkam started coming. First the command of Allah Ta'ala came that don't come close to salah in a state of intoxication. Then another command came. And then eventually the command came that this is all haram. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْثِرِ First the command came that they asked you about gambling and intoxicants. Then قُلْ فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ وَمَنَافِعُ لِلنَّاسِ Let's say to them that there is a great sin in it. There's some benefits also that you may think that you'll get. But the sin far outweighs any benefit that may be in it. So rather you just stay away from it because you're going to harm yourself. But then the clear-cut command came that إِنَّمَا الْخَمْرُ وَالْمَيْسِرُ وَالْأَنصَابُ وَالْأَزْلَامُ رِجْسٌ مِّنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ that all these forms of gambling and all the intoxicants, this is all rids, it is filth. So stay far away from it. So far away from gambling, all forms of gambling, don't go anywhere close to gambling, don't go anywhere close to the gambling dens. Don't say that I'm just going to visit some person that's here, that's a gambling den, don't even drive past it without necessity that if you're going somewhere else and that's the only road that you go to pass it, otherwise avoid driving past because you're going to see it and your eye is going to get caught towards it, and as a result, Allah knows best what might become the end result. And these are not just hypothetical situations, these are realities unfortunately. People just drive past places, and I'm talking about regularly these kind of things come up. A person says, I just drove past a certain place, and I had no intention beforehand. I drove past, and I looked at it, and my attention was caught by it, I decided, let me go inside and see what's going on here. And he says, I pulled off, parked the car, I jumped out and went in, and that was the start of all my misery. And that was the start of my life, then taking a somersault, and all my problems started. But nothing was intended beforehand. I passed, and I looked in that direction, and my attention got caught, and bus shaitan sned me thereafter. So we don't even go near these places. People say, no, well, it uh, was a holiday. We couldn't get bookings anywhere else. So this, we just went to stay in the resort. We didn't go to gamble. This is all the trap of shaitan. Then the person decided that I'm not going to gamble, but let me just go see what these people do inside. And then when he went to see what he to do inside, then the one-armed bandit caught him with both, both hands. It's a one-armed bandit, but it caught him with both hands. And in fact, so many tentacles like an octopus it grabbed the person and before he knew it, he was already deep into gambling. And then this becomes an addiction. These are realities of life, unfortunately. Likewise, people say, no, I'm just going to look at certain articles in this magazine. I'm not going to look at all the other evils and all the haram. There's one, two important things. There's some recipes in here and uh, other beneficial some items in here. So I'm buying this magazine for those beneficial articles and some recipes and some... Uh, Patterns for dressmaking, I'm not buying it for the other things. But the person bought it for the recipe, and that was a recipe of disaster thereafter. 
because the person started reading some articles which then changed the whole mindset and from that mindset then the wrong action started and then the wrong beliefs came in and what not happened thereafter. So the principle of deen is wala taqrabu, don't come near. Don't come near. That phone is taking us towards haram, don't come near it. Forget about it. Then a person is going to get mixed up in the mix it then. And then the person is going to start getting losing face in public because of Facebook. The person is going to get defaced in the family and defaced in public because of how the person then got caught up in Facebook. So we stay far away from all these things. We don't come near it. And we'll stay far, we'll stay safe. So in any case, we were talking about that in the early days, initially, these laws had not yet come and people, it was permissible for them still. Then when the law came finally, that all these intoxicants are haram, just totally refrain from it, don't come close to it. At that time, the law was that that alcohol or that wine or that intoxicant, that is haram, even the container and the utensil in which it used to be made, it's empty now. It used to be made in that, or it used to be stored in that. All those containers also, it was compulsory to break them, not allowed to use them. So, this was the level of severity that came, that don't have anything to do with those utensils also, that were specifically for the purpose of making these intoxicants. Now, the utensil is not eaten. Nobody drinks the utensil up. If that utensil was used for something of this nature, something nudges, then it can be washed. For that matter, if the utensil, there's some water in it, and a dog drinks out of that water, so that utensil becomes nudges. So there's a specific way of cleaning it. You wash it so many times and then it will become park. So likewise, this alcohol was nudges, but you wash it, it will become park. But no, don't even just suffice on washing it. No, don't even use this thing. Finish, broken. Then, the debate and the academic discussion took place that what was the reason, the fuqaha now, got into the detail of this, that what was the reason for this command initially. So, because later on, then this was this restriction was lifted, because people now forgot about this completely, and no more these utensils were used for that haram. So what was the reason for this prohibition? They don't even use these utensils. Some fuqaha stated that by using these utensils, one will then be reminded about that drinking. And because of this thought that will cross the mind that at one point in time, this was used for drinking, it may stir those kinds of thoughts and those kinds of feelings again, that a person wants to start going back into that sin, or somebody who hadn't even gone into it previously, uh, though it, at that point in time, before it became haram, wasn't even a sin, but a person might go into that action again, might start consuming that alcohol again. So therefore this was prohibited, don't even come close to what will remind about that haram, what has become haram now. So that was one reason. Another reason that the fuqaha explained, 
that because these utensils were used for making alcohol, making khamar, so the Muslims stopped it completely. As soon as the ayat of the Quran Sharif came and this was announced, there was that level of obedience to the command of Allah Ta'ala that those who were busy pouring it in their glasses, they threw it away. Those who had already poured it in the glass, they threw it away. Those who had already taken a gulp in their mouth and they heard this ayat of the Quran Sharif, that this is the ayat that has been revealed, they spat it out. And it is mentioned in the riwayat that the streets of Medina Munawwara were flowing with this wine because everybody took whatever stock they had and threw it away. They threw it away completely. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. One Sahabi had gone to some other place and he had bought a big consignment of all his capital, all his wealth he had spent to buy a big consignment of khamar, of alcohol, of haram, which had become haram at, later. He didn't know about it. At that time it was still halal when he went to buy it. He bought it and came with the intention of selling it in Medina Munawara. And before he entered, somebody came and informed him that this is the ayat of the Quran Sharif that has been revealed. After he confirmed that this ayat has been revealed, he came and destroyed that entire stock there and there. He didn't even bring it in. He didn't even try to sell it to some non-Muslim or anything. Because it was now completely forbidden. He threw it away right there, discarded it and destroyed it. This was the level of obedience. Now, nevertheless, this prohibition that came, that don't even use these utensils. The one reasoning that was given was, that it must not even remind. So this is also a very important lesson. Things that remind us about evil. Things that incite us towards evil. Whether it is via some newspaper, some magazine, especially the television. And this is a very serious thing. One person, and not one, more than one person have mentioned that they were merely watching some news or watching some sport or whatever. And in between, this advert of some intoxicant, some wine or whatever, some thing was put on, that advert came on. And this person says it looks so exciting because shaitan always beautifies the wrong. And shaitan makes it look, look very exciting from the outside. So he said it looked so exciting, I decided just for, for just to, for the fun of it, you may call it, whereas there's no fun in it, but just for the fun of it, just let me try it out. The person got so, with that one try out, he became such a serious addict that he ended up on the streets, cast out of his family and everything. So where it started off from, this advert, this reminder this enticement, this encouragement, but that was it. So shaitan uses these things. So we don't come anywhere close to these things. Where are we going to get reminded? We're passing some billboard and it's got some kind of advertisement of something of this nature. We look away the other side. Don't look at it. Don't even read what's written on that billboard. There is something that is lying around in, and is giving us some kind of reminder of this. Just don't look at it. Destroy it if it's in our capacity. If it's within our control and it belongs to us or somewhere in our home, then get rid of it. So in any case, this was one aspect, that we don't come close to even those things that remind about evil. As we mentioned, you're passing some, driving past some place and it's an evil place, look the other side. Don't even look at the outside of it. Whatever is haram is taking place inside. I'm just looking at the outside. There's some very 
uh, glittering lights here and whatever. Look the other side. Don't look at it also. So in any case, that was the first. The second thing was, that though the Muslims gave up this immediately, but the kuffar, they were still using it. And they still use it for the same wrong purpose. So this is now going to be tashabbuh bisharibin. That is going to be a form of imitating those who indulge in this intoxicant and making of wine and drinking of wine and alcohol. So this is going to be a resemblance to them. That they use this and this kind of utensils are specifically meant for that purpose. We are using the same thing. So we are now resembling them. So to avoid and completely keep away from the resemblance also because the principle of deen is wala taqrabu, don't come close to it. So to avoid the resemblance in every regard as well, it was now prohibited to even use these utensils. Now that brings us to some very important aspect that in this time and age also, people are being pushed towards the resemblance. Now there are certain juices. It's a juice. It's purely non-alcoholic. There isn't probably one. And in fact the claim is that there isn't one haram ingredient in it. But how is it packaged? Exactly like how some alcohol is packaged. Now the person buys it. He's drinking it. And somebody says, hey, what are you drinking? He says, what? It's halal. Juice, but he also knows now that this alcohol resemblance is here the packaging, the bottle, and how it's marketed. So, what is it doing? It's a resemblance of those who are drinking. And what is the purpose of this? Why put halal juice in a packaging that exactly resembles alcohol bottles? It is meant to break the barrier that you've held an alcohol bottle, though it just looks like that. There's no alcohol in it, alcohol was never put into it but you've held a bottle that looks exactly like an alcohol bottle. So now your nafrat and your abhorrence, your inner feeling of disgust for alcohol has broken to a point. We're holding that bottle or that type of bottle is not a problem for you anymore. So when that has broken, then the next step is that there is now a reduced amount of disgust an abhorrence for what is inside the alcohol bottle. So then to try that out becomes so much more easier. Now, Nabi Islam is saying that a time will come near Qiyamat and this will bring down the fitnas, this will bring down the calamities when drinking will become rife. And this is no uh, figment of anybody's imagination. Ask those who are in the social field. Allah forbid, Allah forbid, we shouldn't be talking about the negatives because talking about the negatives of what is going on in society sometimes just merely gives further wind to it. But these are things which have no more remained isolated cases among the Muslim youngsters and Muslim girls, Allah forbid. Many people attending universities, attending high schools come with the reports of what's going on in some of these places and the shocking kind of situations of Muslim boys, Muslim girls attending some of these institutions and how they conduct themselves, what they are doing, what they are consuming. These are unfortunately very heartbreaking and tragic realities. 
So where it starts off from? From breaking the boundaries. From removing the barriers. The barriers within us. And slowly a person starts getting closer to haram. So one is these kinds of juices packaged in those bottles. We have nothing to do with it. Don't come close to it. Don't have anything to do with it. Because this is a stepping stone to worse. Likewise, there are those kinds of glasses, especially these stem glasses, which are, they call them brandy glasses, and they call them various things. Now these have become standard in many Muslim functions. Now what is this? This is tashabbuh bisharibin. This is something that brings one close, it makes one resemble those who are drinking haram. A person is drinking juice in that cup, he's drinking cold drinks in it, whatever the case is. But what? who is he resembling? What is the need to have such a utensil that resembles somebody that drinks haram? And this resemblance has been for, forbidden, prohibited. So now this is the stepping stone. In fact, one person who does some catering said that now the insistence in many functions are that there must be several different types of tumblers. Though there will be some juice that will be poured into one, and there will be water poured into the other, and cold drink poured into the third, but there must be three types of tumblers for each person. But this too comes from the three types of haram drinks that people drink in haram functions. That is the source of this. So now, all these fancy different kinds of tumblers, in order to resemble that. So this is a stepping stone to what? So therefore, this is something that we have to become very vigilant about. We don't get caught up in these things. Otherwise, we are being then inviting the wrath and the calamities. The wrath of Allah wa ta'ala, and the calamities we are inviting, that these should now pour down upon us, Allah ta'ala forbid. Because Nabi Islam has already foretold us, that when the time will come, when this intoxicants will be indulged in, very commonly, and people will start wearing men, it's haram for men to wear silk, this will become a very common thing. And therefore, though one will not say that it is haram, but there are certain kinds of garments which are not silk, which are not pure silk, but are very silky. This too is on the border. Today it's a silky type of material and fabric, and then tomorrow it is silk which is prohibited for men to wear. So, this too is something that we have to be very clear about, that we stay away from it, don't come on the border. As mentioned, that one may not declare it haram, but it's on the border, and we have to stay away from the borders. So, Nabi Islam mentioned all these things, that وَشُرِبَتِ الْخُمُورِ وَلُبِسَ الْحَرِيرِ وَاتُّخِذَ الْقِيَّانُ وَالْمَعَازِفِ That, Intoxicants will be indulged in freely and men will start wearing silk and musical instruments and dancing girls will become rife. This too is something that we don't need to elaborate on. In almost every home, these kinds of things are part and parcel of the home by means of the television and various other media that are there. That This is then musical tones on people's cell phones. This is just taken for granted. That what's the problem? This is a ringtone, but it's a ringtone of haram. 
So we need to become very vigilant, very careful about all this. And then Nabi Salaam says, That the latter part of this ummah will speak ill of the former part of this ummah. The first part of the ummah is the Sahaba Ikiram. So you'll find people in the latter part of the ummah speaking ill of the Sahaba Billah. The Shias openly do it. They talk ill of the Sahaba Ikiram, Allah Ta'ala forbid. And they try to break people away from the following of the Sahaba Ikiram by means of casting all these kinds of accusations against them. So this is something that we have to be very careful about. Then the other aspect is that after the Sahaba Ikiram with the Tabi'een, the Tabi Tabi'een, and among them were the great Fuqaha, the ulama of the past, you'll find people in this time and age talking ill of them, that what did these people know much? We are also mujtahids of the time. We can also go directly to the Quran and Hadith and deduce the ahkam and the commands. Why do we have to follow these people? Who are they? We also can uh, refer to the original sources, whereas what was their knowledge? They received their knowledge from the Sahaba Ikiram, from the Tabi'een. And what do we what extent of knowledge do we have to be able to compare with them? Then you'll find people saying that, no, well, I follow Imam Abu Hanifa, but uh, actually many things he has didn't have the right view, so I adopt a different view in that. So he and Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, have become equals. He has that uh, in many things Imam Abu Hanifa, rahmatullah, is right, so he has marked the paper right. So to say he's looking at the examination paper, that okay, these answers you gave is correct, I'm marking your paper now. And these answers you gave are incorrect, so I will do my own thing. And he, just to appease the public, the person will say, no, I'm also a Hanafi, but uh, these many things are not the correct view, so I don't accept that. Now he has become an equal, rather not the equal, he has become the person marking the paper, so to say, like how the student writes an exam. Now the teacher knows better than the student, so the teacher marks, now this is right and this is wrong. So this person has become above Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi above Imam Shafi rahmatullahi above Imam Malik and Imam Ahmad ibn Hamal rahimahumullah and he has become above the fuqaha of the past and he is now marking so to say this is right this is wrong I'll follow this and I won't follow this so he is not following anybody he is following his nafs because he doesn't have the knowledge to be able to deduce those ahkam ask the person some masail in that masail he doesn't know Ask him, where did you get this? What is the reason for it? One or two things he knows, the rest of it he doesn't know. And yet he's become the mujtahid of the time. So we have to become very vigilant about all this. And very alert that we don't get caught up in the fancy talk. The labels and the symbols are very, very exciting. But what is behind? Therefore we stick to the straight path. We stick to the ulama ikram. And we remain firm and adhere to that. We don't get caught up in the sideline shows, as they call it. So Nabi Islam said, when all these things will happen, then, فَلْيَرْتَقِبُوا عِنْدَ ذَلِكَ ثَلَاثًا رِيحًا وَخَسْفًا وَمَسْخًا That in that time, when these things will happen, then await these calamities. <coughs> Severe storms and winds, and people getting swallowed up into the earth, in whichever form, whether it's by earthquakes or whatever else, and people getting disfigured, all these things will happen then. These are the calamities that will be 
drawn down by means of the wrong actions that people will involve themselves in. So therefore the lesson and the message is very clear that we have to become very vigilant in this regard. We don't get caught up in all these aspects. We remain steadfast on deen. We remain steadfast on the sunnah of Rasulullah We follow the way of life that has been taught to us in the light of the Quran and Sunnah that our Akabir understood and they demonstrated to us that this is the correct application of the Quran and Sunnah. They had that in-depth knowledge and from the Fuqaha'i Kiram, they then passed it on to us. We have to follow that straight path and we avoid getting caught up in all these things and especially the thing we discussed today, we don't come close to any of the haram. We don't come close to the things that resemble haram. We stay far away from the resemblance also. And in this way, inshallah, we will be saved. Billah tabarak wa ta'ala, give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. For a few minutes, we'll inshallah make some dhikr just as a means of encouragement. And so that we get inspired by the name of Allah ta'ala to constantly, daily make dhikr in our own time, in our own homes, in the privacy of our home. We make the dhikr of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. For now, we will just listen silently for a few minutes and then you make dua. صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا 
हो जाए मेरा दिल लिख मैदान तो ही तो हो तो ही तो हो तो ही तो गैर से बिल्कुल ही उठ जाए नजर तो ही तो आए नजर देखो जिधर और मेरे तन में बजाए आबोगिल दर्द दिल हो दर्द दिल हो दर्द दिल الحمدللهمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمدلحمد